the freedom of discipleship. Friday was the last day of new student orientation where new students come with their parents and they kind of see campus and get more comfortable. And so we have a, a Catholic Jack's table because we want to make a connection there. And I see this mom in the middle kind of motioning to her son like, hey, <laughs> Catholics. And, and, and you just see his response. Like he's just like turning away, not interested. And so, that's enough for me. So I walked over, <laughs> and, uh, and his mom just sees me coming and says, he just graduated from Catholic high school. And, and this young man does the teenager thing. He's like, mom, you know, like, we're in public. Um, and so I was like, well, what was that like for you? you know? And I, I start having a conversation, and, and then eventually I say, you know what's great about college, man? Nobody makes you go to church. I said, so you see this poster with all these pictures of students on there? They're all there because they want to be there. And it's a totally different atmosphere. And so let me just tell you, bro, like, you don't have to ever come to church in college. But if you decide to, know that we're here and, and you're welcome. So walk back to the table, and I, I probably had about three or four of those that day. And, and afterwards, one of my staff members said to me, they said, uh, isn't that hard? Isn't that, you know, discouraging, hard to have these conversations? And I was like, no, I love it. Because those are some of my favorite conversations because I get to remind people that they have freedom. In the first reading today, the prophet Elijah reminds Elisha of the freedom he has. He's, he says, well, let me, let me go say goodbye to my parents. And Elijah says, well, go back. I, I haven't done anything to you. Like, you, you have freedom. And in that place of freedom, he goes, and it, it doesn't even say that he says goodbye. But what does he do? But the yoke that he's using and the, and the, the, the oxen, he, he sacrifices, he kills the oxen, he, he burns the plow. He, in freedom, he lets go of his entire past, everything that's holding him there, and he walks forward with Elijah. That we can only follow God in freedom. And in what does he do? But he goes all in. I was talking to one of the Phoenix seminarians this week, and he was telling me his story. I didn't know his story. And he said that after college, he had worked for a different university, and he was doing that for several years, and then he was suddenly laid off. And he sat there. He's like, well, I still have my lease. I don't know what to do. And then he had this idea. I'm going to go back to church. And he decides to go. And I was like, well, what moved you? He's like, I don't know. It just hit me. Which would have been very different if, like, mom had said, you need to go back to church or something. But instead, it was just the Holy Spirit that he decided to. He chose to go back. And that began a journey and a path that has now led him to be a seminarian for the Diocese of Phoenix, willing to follow Jesus wherever it takes him, even priesthood. It, it takes a lot of determination to become a priest. You walk away from a family, career. You have to do years of seminary. You have to be willing to be obedient, not just to God, but to the bishop. And, and so it's, it's a big thing. Jesus shows us that he's willing to model what it means to follow God in discipleship. 
That when it says he's resolutely determined to journey to Jerusalem, what does it say? But he, he's willing to go to Jerusalem and to the cross that awaits him. That he's willing to give all for the God who loves him above all. And that Jesus shows us that, that he's willing to hold nothing back out of love for you and I. And so there's these other people along the way who, first, these, these other people don't listen to Jesus. And so James and John say, hey, they're not listening to you. Do you want us to call down fire from heaven? And Jesus is like, no, <laughs> we don't do that. Um, basically, they have freedom. You have freedom to follow me, and they have freedom not to follow me. Does Jesus love them any less? Does Jesus choose not to die for them because they won't follow him? He, he dies for all. And he invites people to walk with him because it's better. And yet he's very clear. That's what we hear are the conditions of deciding. Not the conditions, but he just tells people what they're getting into. We don't always know what we're getting into, do we? But Jesus says, foxes have dens and birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to rest his head. Are you willing to trust completely in God? Or do you want to hold on to your own comforts? Do you want to, do you want to find security in your own resources? Or find security completely in God? That's scary. The sec this other person says, Lord, let me go first and bury my father. Jesus replies, let the dead bury their dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. That discipleship is about loving, Jesus is saying, it's about loving me more than your own family. How many of us have experienced disagreements within the family because of our faith? That's not easy. But somehow it's rightly ordered that Jesus gets it. And, and if we do it the other way around, it's going to lead to us not being as happy and Jesus is saying, it's better to go and proclaim the kingdom of God, better to proclaim eternal life to those who are in danger of eternal death. The last person says, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to my family at home. And Jesus says, no one who sets a hand to the plow and looks to what was left behind is fit for the kingdom of God. He's saying, don't look back, look forward. Be, be willing, like Elisha, to go all in. Jesus is, he's not just saying what discipleship is. He's actually, he's showing what true freedom looks like. That, that freedom is to trust God above my own abilities. It's willing to go where God wants to lead me. I'm going to find greater happiness than doing what I want to do. It's scary, but it's better. This has been an interesting week politically. And it gives us a chance to reflect on what, what is true freedom. Because on, on one hand, it's true, it's clear, that the ruling this week that overturns Roe v. Wade, it's, it's a ruling that's going to save a lot of our brothers and sisters. It's going to save a lot of lives. But, but I don't know if you were like me, but on Friday, I... I was sitting there and I thought, this is a moment where I can just speak some, I was thinking, maybe I'll go on social media and speak some words of compassion and, you know, that I think are insightful, 
But I'm like, I know that I will be instantly attacked on social media. And it gave me pause. I'm like, I'm the priest. I'm supposed to be the one that's courageous, willing to just say something. And then I noticed within myself, um, yesterday I was going to meet a gentleman at Wildflower. And after you know, the protests and all the anger and all that, I, I actually was second guessing it. I was like, what if, what if I go to Wildflower and, and somebody starts yelling at me? Or what if, what if somebody walks up and like spits on my food or something? And, and it made me second, am I willing to do that? And, and just, just walking around in clerics, it's like a, a billboard of, oh, if you hate the Catholic Church, here's your target. But, but actually, for any of us who are Catholic Christian, to walk around is kind of to be a little bit of a target. An, an invitation, perhaps, from the Lord. Am I willing to walk with the Lord into that space that's a little scary? That, that there's a cost to discipleship. But Jesus never asks us to pay something that he himself has not paid already. He never asks us to walk a path that he does not walk with us. And so I chose to go to breakfast. Why? Because the gentleman I was meeting with is a fallen away Catholic. And my hope is that through relationship, through conversation, that, that maybe he'll come back. And then maybe people will be mad at me or maybe something will happen, but he's worth it. And that God knew that. God knew that when I set that, set that appointment up, that God knew that things would happen and it would get crazy. And God knew that something could happen. And yet God still made that happen. And I said, God, the invitation was, do I trust in God? Am I willing to step out where something might happen, knowing that God is the one who's inviting me to step out? that I can never step beyond God's hand. That he's always there with me. He's always right there. And the, and the truth is that people do have, you want to talk about freedom and rights? People have the freedom to come up and do something to me. People could do that, and you know, they could hurt me. And you think about that. I, I think about that. I'm pretty exposed up here, you know. Someone could come in and hurt me or even, even kill me. And, and the truth is, one day, something will kill me. And so the question is not about avoiding death forever. For me, it's not about how I want to die. The question is, how do I want to live? Do I want to live in fear and hiding? Or do I want to follow the Lord, who's, who's the God of life, the Prince of Peace, who wants to lead me to eternal happiness? The one who holds nothing back for my happiness. And if I, if I suffer injustice, well, then God's going to make it right. And am I willing to suffer harm? Is it, you know, there's the old question, is it better to suffer harm or to inflict harm? And Jesus doesn't come to inflict harm. When they want to cast down fire, he says no. But he says, I'm willing to suffer harm out of love for you and I. And the world might misunderstand me and you and our faith and what we believe and think that we intend harm for others, but it's the complete opposite, isn't it? Our faith is all about, I choose to suffer out of love for you. I choose to be with you in your sufferings. I choose to walk with you, even if you're headed the wrong way. 
And so I have these different, just a couple thoughts that maybe would be helpful for you. Um, St. Paul says today, um, but if you go on biting and devouring one another, (laughs) beware that you are not consumed by one another. So here's a a couple thoughts that may help you if things come up in conversation. The problem with conversations now is the emotion's too high, and we kind of have to wait until it gets dialed down. But this is the Father Matt, this is, I'm going to give you a page out of the Father Matt Lowry book, all right? So somebody comes up to me and says, Father Matt, why do you want to steal women's rights? And my response is, I am all for women's rights. Yeah, but what about their reproductive rights? My response, I am all for reproductive rights. I think people should have the right to have as many children as they want. And I think anybody that gets in the way of saying, of telling you how many children you should have is wrong. That's why we've spoken up against China for so long about their, their child policy. That's what I believe. I'm right there with you. And they, they say, yeah, but you're forcing people to be mothers. And I would say, I agree with you that forcing anyone to be a mother is wrong. It, it, it should always be a free choice whether to have a child. It should be a free choice whether to have sex. And any violation of that is wrong. It should be, a, even within marriage, it should be a free choice whether to be a mother. Yeah, but that, Father Matt, why are you taking away their rights over their own bodies? I, I, well, hold on a second. I think women should have the rights over their own bodies. Now, there are certain things that people tell us what to do with our bodies sometimes. Like, if I want to drive, I have to wear a seatbelt. Otherwise, I get a ticket. If I want to go in public, I need to put on clothes. Otherwise... You know, sometimes you have to get a vaccination. People tell you what to do with your body at times. You don't have to do that, but then there's consequences. So I actually agree with you that no one should tell you what to do with your bodies. Yeah, but you're talking about, you're taking away their right to abortion. Oh, you're talking about abortion. (laughs) And not all these euphemisms that hide what we're really talking about. Okay, what is abortion? Well, abortion is women's autonomy and freedom. Well, let me just say, uh, Webster's Dictionary defines abortion as the termination of a pregnancy. What is a pregnancy? What are we talking about? What are we talking about? We're talking about the ending of an innocent human life. No matter how small, no matter how big, that you and I, I... I can't, I don't want to be quiet in the face of that. And people will talk all about, no, it's not really human life. It's just a clump of cells. Well, if it's a clump of cells, it, how come it has a different DNA? How come it has potentially a different blood type? How come even after a month, that means you have two hearts, four arms, four legs? It, I get it. I get it. What you're saying is that sometimes women find themselves in difficult situations. And that's hard. And this is where I think you and I are invited and challenged. That, that here are these people who feel like they have no options. They feel like they're stuck. They feel like their freedom has been taken away. But, but we never have a right to end an innocent human life. And so ultimately, what needs to change is human hearts. What needs to change is my willingness to step out where it's uncomfortable and walk with somebody And it might demand something of me. It might take my time. It might take my resources. But am I willing to walk with somebody like a mother who's scared about being pregnant? 
a mother who maybe has other children or doesn't have a job or doesn't have a husband around? Am I willing to step out there with Jesus, seeing that he's already brought this human life into the world, and do what's uncomfortable, walk with him? In the past year, the Catholic bishops, they, they started this program. It's called Walking with Mothers in Need. And it's kind of an organized way of what I would just say is being Catholic. I remember being a kid and the woman down the street dropped off her kids because she needed to go to the doctor. And my mom's like, sure, bring your kids by. Like, we, we just helped one another. But maybe now we're a little busier, we're not, you know, and, and so people don't know other people that can help them. You know, can you watch my kids so I can go to work and pay for rent? And so this, this, this group, Walking with Women in Need, it's, it's trying to organize in communities what we've always done, but make it obvious that there's support. And that, honestly, as Catholics, you and I, it's time to raise the level of support. And the world's looking at us. It's just, just, are we just speaking words? Are we willing to back it up? And we don't have to do any of that. But as I step out in freedom, willing to do that, willing to lead wherever Jesus leads me, it's, it's the path to true happiness. That when I, when I follow him, wherever he leads, it's actually the path to truest freedom. That the greatest freedom we can experience in life is following Jesus in discipleship wherever he takes us. Being willing to give of ourselves completely in love to a world that needs it.